Well, it seems like trust is going through a time of significant challenge at the moment, doesn't it? While Australia has improved its score on the Corruption Perception Index by two points moving up to 13, with Denmark considered to be the least corrupt country in the world. Within Australia, the most trusted professions are that of the doctor at 61%. University lecturers sit at 13%, followed by ministers of religion at 11%, and accountants at 8%. And then you skip down even further to federal politicians at 2%, state politicians, real estate agents, and car salespeople, and those in advertising all at 1%. According to the Edelman 2022 Trust Barometer, 55% of Australians say that their default tendency is to distrust something until they see the evidence that it is trustworthy. So where does that leave the place of faith and Jesus? Well, the good news is that Jesus is and remains the saviour for the sceptics. Let me pray. Jesus, as we take some time to delve into your word, would you refresh in us an awareness of who you are? And for those times of doubt, for those times where we can experience scepticism about who you are and be not quite sure, Jesus, would you remind us, first and foremost, of your love for us. Use this time for your glory. Amen. I caught myself this week being a bit sceptical on the phone. Um, there was a bank that we deal with, not the Churches of Christ Financial Service, another banking institution um, that we deal with at Northern, and they, I got a call from the, the customer confirmed team, a team that I'd never heard of before. I'm thinking, hello, what's going on here? And they rang me to confirm some of the details of our directors. But first, they wanted me to prove that I was who I said I am. And I'm thinking, hang on, you've rung me and I've got to suddenly prove myself to you? And I think, nah, this cuts both ways. So I started interrogating them and asking them who they are and to try and have them prove to me that they are who they say they are and that they were actually from this banking institution. And it's unfortunate that Jesus also gets caught up in scams as well. Recently, Terry and Lynn McCredden sent me this image that we'll show. And for those listening on the podcast, I will describe this image. So don't look at your phone if you're driving along in the car. Um, just listen to the description that I'll give to you. We have a picture 
of Jesus, a white Jesus, wearing a white robe. Of course, Jesus was white and wore a white robe. That's obvious, isn't it? And he's talking on a gold mobile phone. Now, sorry for all those people that are Apple users. This is not an iPhone. I don't know whether this is because Jesus has some issue with apples going back to the Garden of Eden or anything like that, but we'll leave that alone. Um, Jesus is talking on the phone. And it says this, talk to Jesus on the phone. Have your credit card handy. $50 for four minutes. No need to know Aramaic. Jesus will speak to you in English like a normal American. No tricks. This is not some Mexican farm worker named Jesus. This is the real deal. Note, no refunds if he doesn't give you a good advice. He doesn't know your pet's name. Don't quiz Jesus. Call 1-800 blah, 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 and I have blocked out some of the numbers so you are not tempted to call. But the good thing for me is that I had a response image that was circulated by a gentleman by the name of Mike Frost for just such an occasion, showing an equally white Jesus as he's peering around the corner saying, I have nothing to do with this. And I'm relieved because that saved me $50. 50 US dollars at that. So, is there any room for faith in a world that is increasingly sceptic, where scepticism seems to be on the rise? After all, aren't we to live by faith? And can we really have an unquestioning faith in Jesus? Can we really be saved by that? Well, we discover some clues in an extract from Luke's second letter that we know as the book of Acts that Anna read to us just before. In Acts chapter 1, we read from verse 1, In my first book I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And it's easy for us to skip over the fact that even after Jesus had risen from the dead, he proved to them that he was still alive, not just once, but in many ways. Jesus had been with his disciples for three years and his family for even longer. He'd been with his mum forever since he was born. Yet even after he rose from the dead, just as he promised, the disciples, Jesus' chosen apostles, had doubts. There was a degree of scepticism with at least some of them about the realities of Jesus as the resurrected Messiah. People who have no doubt need no proof. So for the sceptics within, for those of you today who have doubts, where does that leave us when it comes to Jesus? 
whether you're exploring faith in Jesus for the first time or have been a follower of Jesus for a number of years and every now and again something happens as if to turn your world upside down and thrust you into a world of doubt. Well, the Gospels have some wisdom for us. First thing is working through your scepticism and doubts can take time. In a world where a quick search on a mobile phone can answer so many questions, it is wise to allow some time to work through your scepticism and doubt. In Luke chapter 24, verses 35 to 42, we read this. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how he had recognized how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the group as a whole were startled and frightened. They were thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can really see, you can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost. Because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, proving once again that he was alive. Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. Working through scepticism and doubt and disbelief can take time. Even when the initial evidence is presented, it can take time for our heads and our hearts to process it. For some of the disciples, just because Jesus was in front of them did not mean that their doubts were immediately addressed. Even seeing Jesus' scars from the crucifixion did not completely resolve things for them. Even seeing Jesus eat something helped, but for some, it still took time. Working through our scepticism and doubts about Jesus and faith in him can take time to resolve and to work through. And this shouldn't freak us out because we are not alone in this. So what does this mean when it comes to worship? You know, if we've got doubts, does that mean that we can still worship God, whether it be at home or in settings like church services or walking along? Well, the Bible shows us that scepticism and worship are not mutually exclusive. In Matthew 28, 16 and 17, we read this. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee. They were going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. They collectively worshipped Jesus, holistically, completely, but some of them within that group who worshipped still doubted. This is not about fake it till you make it or just pretending. 
but rather it's about holding faith in Jesus and doubt intention. But rather than giving in to doubt, to still turn up, to turn up to worship, to take time to stay close to God rather than walking away. I remember being told that you don't, um, when you don't feel like loving your spouse, still behave in a way that is loving towards them. That emotion can be re-engaged by loving behaviour. For the disciples, rather than giving up on Jesus because of scepticism and doubt, they stay connected and worship with the faith that they had. Like the father who responded to Jesus as recorded in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. I do believe. I believe this much. Help me to believe this much. I do, do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Scepticism and doubt should not negate worship of Jesus. Chances are you will be joining others who are worshipping who also are experiencing the same things. You'll be closely able to recognise that there are probably others when you come to worship Jesus that even are carrying doubts as well. Doubts and scepticism can also come from a place of within rather than of out. In Matthew chapter 15, uh, 14, verses 25 to 33, we read this in Matthew 14, 25 to 33. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came uh, towards them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called out, uh, called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why do you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. The disciples, then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Now it's interesting that in the New Living Translation that we just read from, the Greek of verse 31 reads it in this way. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Now, the New Living Translation has placed Peter's doubt in Jesus. However, the Greek doesn't actually have the personal pronoun me. That's why a number of other translations leave out the word me. Why do you doubt they prefer to translate it, why do you doubt? What we need to remember in this passage is who is sinking? Jesus? No. I don't think 
Peter is doubting Jesus. Jesus is the one that's already walking on the water. Jesus is the one that has been walking on the water, coming to the boat. Jesus is the one that said, you can come out and walk on the water. Peter doesn't doubt Jesus, I don't believe. If Peter doubts Jesus, why would he cry out, save me, Lord? I think Peter doubts himself. I guess we can also find our doubts misplaced. That we might find ourselves doubting that Jesus can save us. Not in his ability to save, but in his interest in saving me. After all I've done, after how I've behaved, after all, no one else knows the secrets of my life and what I've done, what I've thought, the shame that I carry. So we doubt that Jesus would be my saviour. But Jesus does not only save us, uh, doesn't save us because of um, who we are, but because of who he is. And so we find that scepticism brings us to a point of choice. To seek proof or reject the possibility of proof. There's a phone call from the customer confirm team asking me to confirm the details of some of our directors. So I start looking for proof that they are who they say they are. I could have hung up on them, thought, no, not going to buy that at all. That sounds like a hoax. I could have given in to my doubts and scepticism. But in my doubts, I looked for proof. I asked for more information. I sought verification that they were whom they said they were. I asked them to email me with particular information that only they would have if they were from the bank. And then I took time once I received that email to verify that the bank did actually have a customer confirm team and that they were a part of it. Jesus does not reject us for our doubts. Jesus invites us to overcome our doubts, to hang in there and to look for the signs, the proof to help overcome our scepticism and doubts. In John chapter 20, verses 24 to 29, we read, One of the disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. But this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your fingers here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without 
seeing me. Thomas was not alone in his doubts, but he could have given in to them. His scepticism could have overridden his preparedness to seek proof. But Thomas hung in there and still with his doubts took time and was open to having his doubts in Jesus' resurrection challenged and changed. Jesus invites Thomas to move from scepticism and doubt to belief. And today, Jesus' invitation to you is to give yourself time to work through your doubts, to be open to worship God even when you do doubt, to honour and respond and celebrate to what you do know of God rather than being overwhelmed by what you don't. That even when we doubt ourselves, Jesus still loves us. And to look for the evidence that Jesus is who he says he is. That Jesus is and remains the saviour of the sceptics. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that when we doubt, that you don't doubt us. We thank you that when we, when we have scepticism, when we um, have unbelief, that you still believe in us, that you love us and that you long to be our saviour, wholly, completely. Help us to hang in there. Help us to stay close to you. And that as a result, that over time, these doubts will be, be challenged and worked through in such a way that we recognise you in your fullness. That we see now in a veiled mirror of what we will see in its, all its fullness in time to come. Amen. So how might we respond today? Well, there's a few questions that I want to pose to you. What are the areas that still bring doubt for you? There might be some things that are going on for you in your life, in your world, in relationships, whatever it might be, in your understanding of who Jesus is, what God means, the Bible. What are some of the areas that still bring doubts for you? It can be helpful to name them and acknowledge what they are. How might you know of Je what? How might what you know of Jesus help you to worship? What's he proven to you so far, and how can that help you to worship him more? And invite Jesus to prove to you whom he is. Who he, he is? Who he says he is. Invite Jesus to prove that to you. There's going to be some uh, music played. And as the music's played, I encourage you to spend time with God and to respond to him today. God bless you.